Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us now, Lord, to learn what you have written for us, to us, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you start now, we'll start now in the last verse of Genesis 37. Cover that, get ready to go into Genesis 38. Genesis 37, last verse reads, well, the second to last, 30, 35. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, for he said, I will go down unto the grave unto my son mourning. Thus the father, his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt but under Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down. We're starting now verse 1 of chapter 38. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren to and turned into a certain Adullamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. Okay, don't be confused. Shua is not the name of the daughter. Shua is the name of the father. Okay, I was confused at first. And he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah. And he was at Hezbah when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for Er his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Er Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife, and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilt it on the ground, lest he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. Okay, now, in our last study, we finished up by seeing this verse here, verse 35, where it talks about the sons and the daughters all rose up to comfort uh, Jacob. And that was amazing for us. That was just an amazing scene to see all of Jacob's sons rise up to comfort him. And they, they, because they were the very ones that had caused all this pain. They were the very ones that could stop the pain at any time by telling Jacob the truth that Joseph's alive. He's down there in Egypt as a slave. Organize a party, take some money, go buy him back, and he'll come back. They could have done that, but they did not. And instead, they came in with this very insincere. How could it be sincere? comfort to make Jacob stop crying. But Jacob would not stop crying as he just was giving up in life. And he said that he was resolved just to go down to the graves uh, to his son crying all the way. I mean, what a terrible scene that we leave Jacob in, in verse 35. 
But now the history goes on, and it switches now to Joseph in verse 36, where we read that Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's captain of the guard. Now, when we read, and the Midianites, that's like a huge meanwhile, you know? I mean, what happens to Joseph now goes on with Jacob having no idea what's going on, what's happening with Joseph. As far as Jacob knew, Joseph was lost And Jacob was convinced about that, as we saw in verse 33, where Jacob said, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. So Joseph appears lost. He appears lost to Jacob, and and he's never going to return again. It appears that way, and it appears that he's never going to see him again. But that's not the case, because we're going to find out in Genesis 49, 46, verse 29, 46, 29, where we're going to read, and Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him, and he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. So Jacob, we can imagine at that meeting, Jacob must have said to Joseph, I thought I'd never see you again, and here you are. And in the same way, when Moses fled from Egypt, when he was running out of Egypt for his life, and he appeared lost to Israel, never to return again, but he did, in Exodus 4.29, where it says, "And, and Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel, and Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses, and did all the signs of the sight of the people. And so Israel must have said the same thing to Moses. They thought, we thought we'd never see you again, and here you are. And in the same way, when David fled from King Saul out of Egypt and got lost for all intents and purposes among the Philistines, David appeared lost to Israel. They never thought he would return again. But 2 Samuel 2.3, 2 Samuel 2.3, and his men that were with him did David bring up, every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron, and the men of Judah came. And there they anointed David king over the house of Judah, and they told David, saying that the men of Jabesh Gilead were were they that had buried Saul. So Israel again must have said to David, we thought we'd never see you again, and here you are. The same way with the Lord Jesus. He's sealed in the tomb. The Lord Jesus appears lost. He's never going to return, never going to be, never going to return. But Matthew 24, 30, then he says, Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Again, same thing. He comes back. What are they going to say? We thought we'd never see you again, and here you are. Some may be happy about that. Some may not be happy about that. And in the same way, you can make this application to us when we die in the Lord. Our bodies get put into the grave, It'll appear we're lost. It'll appear no one's ever going to see us again. It'll appear that we're just going to, we're gone, we're annihilated. But we're going to return from the graves. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.14, 1 Thessalonians 4.14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus, that's referring to those in the grave, will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, they which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
very important for us as we have memorial service yesterday for our sister Ursula West. So there will be those, there will be those who, who said, you know, we thought we never saw you, see you again, and here you are. So this is the issue here when we come to see Joseph sort of drifting off into the sunset there, and never they think they're never going to see him again. This is a great humiliation for Joseph. It's a humiliation. He's being sold as a slave. As I said, he's probably barely dressed, took his coat away. But really, this is just one step for Joseph toward his predicted elevation to be the, the one that all of them are going to bow down to. And the same with Moses. That was a humiliation for Moses to be a fugitive in Midian and have run out from being the prince to being a fugitive now, running for his life. But that was really, again, just one step further for Moses toward his exaltation to be the great leader of God's people. And the same for David. David was, he was humiliated when he had to run out the country and bury himself in the Philistines. But, Philistines, but again, one step further for his, toward his exaltation as the king of Israel. The Lord Jesus, buried and sealed in a tomb, one step further toward his exaltation to God's right hand. Our humiliation to be buried in the ground, one step further toward our exaltation to go to heaven to be at the resurrection of the dead. So now we see Joseph. He's sold to in Egypt to Potiphar. The Egyptian name Potiphar is made up of two Egyptian words, Potter and Pharaoh, which means belonging to the sun, belonging to the sun, or the sun god, Ra, that was their big god. So this shows how Joseph is now being thrust into an environment of false gods and idols. I mean, first Joseph, he's thrown by his brothers into a pit in the desert, And now Joseph is thrown into a moral and spiritual pit in Egypt, and yet he stays clean. And that's the wonder, the wonderful thing about Joseph. He stays clean. Now, we read that Potiphar here is what is called the captain of the guard. Literally, this means that Potiphar was the chief officer of the executioners for the king. They kept the king's prisoners which gives you an idea of what happened to the king's prisoners. They were likely to be executed. So this is the environment that Joseph finds himself working in. I mean, Joseph is a prophet, but he's simple as a child. He fears God when no one else is fearing God around him. He's adapted himself, and he will adapt himself to the Egyptian culture, but he will not yield to the Egyptian sin. And the great thing about Joseph is that he never forgets his people. He will name his son Manasseh, which means remembering or never forgetting, because he will never forget his people. He'll show us, Joseph is going to show us what it really means to do what the Lord Jesus said with regard to our enemies in Luke 6.27, Luke 6.27, but I say unto you which here, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. He'll show us what it really means to live a life that's free from bitterness, free from bitterness. He'll show us, he'll give us an example of Hebrews 12, 15. Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. 
He'll show us how to cover a multitude of sins. As he'll explain later, what really happened to you, Joseph? How did you end up here in this whole situation in Egypt? And when he goes to give the description of it, he's going to say nothing about, well, you know, they threw me in the grave and there was no in the grave. They threw me in the pit. There was no water there. And then they talked about killing me and selling me and all this stuff. He's not going to say any of that. What he's going to say in Genesis 40, verse 15, Genesis 40, verse 15, he's going to say, for I, indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. So he's not going to blame his brothers. That He just says, I was kidnapped. <laughs> it's funny. I was stolen. I was kidnapped. Just as Paul, he never really delineates all that the Jews did to him. He doesn't. Now, we know they did a lot of bad things, but he never really goes into it. And Stephen, he never really blames those who are killing him. As a matter of fact, at the point where they're killing him, in Acts 7, verse 60, Acts 7, verse 60, it says about Stephen, and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And the Lord Jesus also, he doesn't blame his enemies. He prays for his enemies as they're crucifying him. In Luke 23, 34, Luke 23, 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So that's the way we finish chapter 37. We leave Joseph. He's sold as a slave in Egypt to Potiphar. And now we go and we transition. And keep in mind here that in the original, there are no chapter breaks. And so we go right into chapter 38. And chapter 38, see, with chapter 37, we turn from focus on Jacob focus on Joseph, and now we have a focus on Judah. Now, Judah. Now, Joseph is clearly important in the book of Genesis. I think there's more written about Joseph in the book of Genesis than any other person. He is so clearly a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't help but see the Lord Jesus Christ in Joseph. But the Lord Jesus Christ will not actually come from Joseph, but from Judah. And for that reason, Judah is very important for the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, that's what they're named. The term Jew comes from Judah. They're named Judas. So this chapter that we're coming into now, chapter 38, is kind of like the last chapter, the previous chapter. It's really a very dark chapter. Again, it's a very dark chapter. A little bit of sunlight, but not much. It's very dark. And we're going to see some really terrible behavior on the part of Judah. And it's going to make one verse kind of amazing for us. As a matter of fact, if you open this chapter and you take this paper and write down a particular verse and sort of keep it right there front and center as you read this chapter, it's amazing. And that verse is Hebrews 7.14. Hebrews 7.14 is the verse you got to keep on the side of this chapter as you read it. For Hebrews 7.14 says... For it's evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. Now, there's two points that are are really prominent in Hebrews 7.14. First, that our Lord sprang out of Judah. That word, sprang out of, it carries kind of a surprise, you know, something you're not expected. You know, when our boys were infants, when they were small, they were little, you know, we had a jack-in-the-box toy. Did you all have those? <laughs> those are great. And, you know, ours are the colorful can, you know, jack-in-the-box, you know, the clown. And we push the clown down in the box and then close the lid. 
you know, and put it in front of the boys, and they were infants. And then we slowly turn the handle, <laughs> you know, and it's playing some music, you know, Pop Goes the Weasel, you know. You know the song, right? Okay. And they would just stare at that colorful box, you know, and listen to the music of Pop Goes the Weasel and watch as we turn the handle slower and slower. And the music would get slower and slower until we got to the point of Pop Goes the Weasel. And then, bam, you know, <laughs> up would pop this jack in the box. And our boys would be so surprised and shocked that their little heads would bounce back on the seat they were sitting in, you know. Probably try cruelty i don't know but anyway and, and they would have this total shock on their eyes would be all wide big because they were infants you know and then they'd laugh you know first shock and then they laugh they always had those two responses it was really interesting you know it was always shock and laugh shock and laugh shock and laugh and it didn't matter how many times we did it every time they were shocked and they would start to laugh and then they want us to do it again you know, and so we'd get again and again and again. And every time they were surprised and they laughed. And it didn't matter how many times we'd just done it. They were always shocked and start to laugh. Every time we did it, it was just like the first time we ever did it. They were always shocked and they'd always laugh. And for us to see their response made us laugh. It made me laugh. You know, and it's kind of a little surprising when a thing jumps out of there, you know. That jack-in-the-box was a lot of fun. I have a toy room in my house for when the kids come over. As a matter of fact, I just ordered one of those, those jack-in-the-box of the toy room because I couldn't find it. So I'm looking forward to the next infant that comes over so I can play the jack-in-the-box. Or sometime you might come to my house and you might look in the window of my house and you might see me playing with the jack-in-the-box. <laughs> I still get surprised and I laugh and that thing springs out. You know, this is what Chapter 38 is all about. Chapter 38 is the jack-in-the-box in the can. You know, we're the infant... We're sitting in the infant chair, and the box and the music are chapter 38. They're the life of Judah. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is a surprise jack-in-the-box in there. So as we read chapter 38, God is slowly turning the handle, you know, and we're watching and we're listening in the life of Judah. And it's just like us listening to the music, you know, Pop Goes the Weevil. And we think, okay, we see a clear picture of who Judah is. Okay, we got it. <laughs> you know, we got Judah's number here. We can see it. He's really a terrible person. He has absolute uncontrolled sexual passions. We get it. I mean, Judah, we study this. I don't know about you, but when I read about Judah, there's only one person, you know, that comes to mind when I read about Judah. Leonard Cohen. <laughs> the Montreal, the Canadian songwriter, you know, the musician. Or, uh, Judah, to me, is just like Leonard Cohen. And there's one word to, you know, think about it. Judah, unworthy, all right? And then later in the Bible, you know, when we see the Lord Jesus Christ coming out of the tribe of Judah, it's like, bam, you know, the jack of the box, and up pops the Lord Jesus Christ from the tribe of Judah. You know? That's what we see in Hebrews 7.14 with the words, our Lord sprang out of Judah. You know, just like a baby, you know, we're, we're at first we're shocked because, you know, we, we just didn't expect that. We didn't expect that. We just didn't see that coming. You know, it's just like the baby. And then we were shocked and then we break out in laughter with glee. And now we're so, you know, we're so shocked. But why do we laugh? Why do we laugh? We're shocked because, first of all, Hebrews 7.14 said that Judah of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. You know, we're shocked because the Lord Jesus Christ is the great high priest, and he came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses said nothing about priests coming from the tribe of Judah. Moses said everything 
about priests coming from the tribe of Levi, but nothing about priests coming from the tribe of Judah. So the fact that the, the great high priest, the Lord Jesus, came from Judah, that throws us back, you know, in shock, in a state of, like, unexpected surprise, you know. And then we're also shocked when we look at this awful life of Judah, which we're going to cover here in this chapter, which is so full of unholiness that Paul could, you know what Paul could say about the life of Judah in this chapter? Paul could say the words of Ephesians 5.12 about this chapter, Ephesians 5.12. It's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I mean, what Judah does in this chapter in secret is a shame to speak of. What's even more shameful is that Judah's not even secretive about it which really shows he doesn't feel ashamed. He should be ashamed, but he doesn't feel ashamed. And so what we conclude from this chapter about Judah is one word about Judah, meritless. Judah is meritless. And we will write Judah off, I mean, in this chapter, as terrible, as shameful, as meritless. So to see the Lord Jesus spring out of the tribe of Judah shocks us. It throws our heads back in the seat, and we say, I just didn't see that coming. You know, just like a baby, you know, do it again, you know. Put the jack in the box down in there, turn the handle and see it again. And shocked to see, in Hebrews 7, 14, our Lord sprang out of Judah. And just like an infant, you know, we, we start to laugh after where the shock's over. We laugh. Why do we laugh? We laugh because we see how meritless Judah was. I mean, this chapter shows us, really, how meritless Judah was, that he should become the founder of the tribe from which the Savior of the world should spring. That's incredible. That means that for our Lord to spring out of Judah, that worthiness did not come from Judah, but all the worthiness came from the Lord Jesus Christ. And since the Jews are named after the tribe of Judah, that means that for the Lord to have the Jewish people as his own people, which he does, that worthiness did not come from the Jewish people, but all worthiness came from the king of the Jews, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we laugh because we see Judah's awful behavior, and we see so clearly that God deals with man not based on man's merit, but based solely on on God's grace and mercy. We just sang the song in the previous Breaking a Bread service. We just sang the song that Scott asked for, and the chorus was, Oh, the love that sought me. Oh, the blood that bought me. Oh, the grace that brought me through the fold. I mean, we'll laugh because we're so happy from this chapter to see God's grace. It really is amazing. And God's grace really is fathomless. And so as we see this, it makes us laugh with joy because we understand from this chapter, that because of God's grace and merit, no one, no one should ever think of because of what I've done, God can't forgive me. No one should ever think that in this chapter. If God could forgive, which he did, Judah, then God can forgive anyone. And that makes us happy to see that because it just shows us the truth of the hymn, wonderful grace of Jesus reaching the most defiled by its transforming power, making him God's dear child. It shows us the the hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. (music) 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.